Hello, and thank you for tuning back into Bad Britannia, an exploration of the slimy hair stuck in the bathtub plug hole that is British history. I'm Mike Stutchbury, and this week I'm looking at one of British history's greatest scumbags. A man who seemingly stood for nothing and condemned many men to death in the process. This week I'm talking about Titus Oates. God, I f***ing hate Titus Oates. In fact, I hate Titus Oates so much that I think I might be swearing a little on this podcast. As this is a family podcast, I'll be having to censor myself. Oates was born at the height of the English Civil War in 1649 in Rutland. Not much is known about the f***er until he turned up at Cambridge, where he was either described as a zealot or a raving homosexual. There doesn't seem to be any middle ground in this instance. Oates never finished his degree. After two years, he dropped out and went down to London, where he lied about his qualification and got a gig as a priest. He didn't much like this gig, so he tried to nab a teaching gig by accusing the incumbent of sexually abusing some of his students. What an utter c- This charge was found out to be garbage, and in order to escape perjury charges, he got a job as a chaplain on the Royal Navy ship Adventurer. He soon lost that gig due to accusations of buggery. I'm starting to think that Oates maybe had some issues with projection. After a bit more faffing about, Oates finally landed in the household of the Catholic Henry Howard, Duke of Norfolk, in 1676. His job was to minister to the Protestant members of the Duke's household, but in 1677, he converted to Catholicism. Strange decision, this. It was f***ing dangerous to be a Catholic in 17th century England, and for good reason. The place was emerging from almost a century of religious turmoil, and Protestantism had only managed to cling on by the English stringing up most of the Catholics they could get their hands on. As England was, at best, hostile to Catholics, Oates fled to the continent, where he enrolled in a seminary. Since he couldn't f***ing stop lying, however, he was expelled and sent packing back to England. At this stage, Oates embarked on the course that would elevate him from a prick to a total In London, Oates fell in with a fellow total prick and rabid anti-Catholic called Israel Tong. The two had met before, but at this stage, the pair decided that they would work together to start some trouble. Tong out of hatred for Catholics, and Oates presumably out for revenge. Putting their heads together, the two wrote a document accusing prominent Englishmen of plotting to kill Charles II. When the King's Council summoned them in 1678, they named 43 conspirators, including Samuel Pepys, the diarist. What a Nobody was Samuel Pepys. Luckily, nobody could quite believe it. Oates was given a squad of soldiers to start rounding up Catholics, and he spent the next couple of months arresting the Catholics that he had known, allegedly for their part in the Popish plot, news of which was sweeping the nation. At one stage, Oates and Tong had a magistrate witness an affidavit listing more alleged conspirators. When the magistrate, Edmund Berry Godfrey, turned up dead, Oates, the f***er, used his death to whip up further anti-Catholic hysteria. I'll give him this, Oates had balls. He once accused Charles II's wife, Catherine of Braganza, of trying to poison the king. Only public outcry managed to save him that time. For his part in saving the crown, Oates had honours lavished on him. He got an apartment in Whitehall and £1,200 a year, a fortune for the time. Meanwhile, those Oates accused were incarcerated in horrible conditions before routinely being hung, drawn and quartered. Their heads were placed on places like London Bridge, their bodies denied proper burial. Didn't much seem to trouble Oates though, the c***t. Fifteen dead men later, things finally wound down in 1681, when serious doubts began to emerge about the men who Oates was accusing. Every man executed had protested his innocence, and most were beloved members of their community. As a consequence, the king ordered Oates out of his apartment and cut off his salary. He then threw him in prison. The next king, James II, who was a Catholic, remembered Oates' deeds and brought the 
out in front of a court. The savage Judge Jeffreys sentenced him to life in prison and two processions through London, during which, half-naked, he'd be flogged. In addition, each year he spent some time in the pillory, where the public threw rotten fruit, garbage and even stones at him. Oates didn't die in prison, unfortunately. When William and Mary ascended to the throne, he was released and even had some of his salary restored. Luckily, he was considered a complete social pariah and died in July 1705, presumably in somewhere in Wapping, in London's East End. I tried to find out where his grave was so we could all go and spit on it, but unfortunately I couldn't locate it. If you do know, let me know. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about why Oates was so awful. It's simple. He spun lies that killed men. He was unrepentant. He inflamed bigotry to settle a grudge and line his own pockets. Until next time, this has been Mike Stutchbury and you've been listening to Bad Britannia. Now I've got to go and wash the taste of his name out of my mouth. Bye.